2: Ninety-five point one FM and AM seven hundred and sixteen Hawaii. I'm joined by Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, you know, caught, caught a really great game last
1: night at Angel Stadium. First time covering the team there. It was super fun. Uh, met a lot of great people, including our boy Rhett uh, Bulger, yeah. who says hi. Uh, I, <laughs> I told him, yeah, I told him what's up for us. Uh, we talked some USC football. Been very excited for the year. And I told him. Uh, you know, I'm going up to, I'm going to have to get tickets. My, you know, my girlfriend went to Colorado Boulder. So I'm going to go up for that September 30th game. If we need somebody to cover it, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there at the away game. So, uh, that's going to be super fun, but, and the angels won. So, you know, it looks like they're slowly getting back on track. They got, they gained a game on Houston yesterday, which is pretty cool after, Losing because, uh, you know, just when you're covering a team, regardless whether you like the team or not, you want them to do well. Right so sure. now. Now they're thankfully three or four games back from Houston after losing three out of four. So that's pretty cool. And then the Dodgers, my gosh, we'll get into them too. another, <laughs> another walk off loss. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure Grant ha- would have a lot to say and Jake Digger, but, you know, yeah. they're really busy. But
2: yeah. Brandon, so tell me what that experience was like. Again, you know, a true testament of uh, hard work. Uh, Brandon, a year ago, joins the show. has been a great co-host, uh, producer, social, and all that great stuff. You know, and now going out to cover games. And again, this was a team that you grew up watching. Uh, so tell me, like, like walk us through that. You know, what, what, it, what it was like to to drive there, you know, park your car, pick up your credential for the first time, walk to the press box. What was that whole thing like?
1: Oh, it was a great experience. Thank you for the kind words as well. Um, yeah, no, it was it was cool. You know, uh, Taylor Ward, uh, Taylor Blake Ward, not because not to get confused with Taylor Ward. I know yeah, they exactly. both they, they know each other too. Which yeah, is hilarious. Right? They play they played against each other in high school. He was telling me too. Um, no, but he told me uh, you know park near uh, this apartment complex, the George or whatever, across the street, like this end parking lot, and you just tell him you're in media. And you know, you just park there for free. You go in, you get scanned of course, because they have to make sure, you know, media it's important. They yeah. scan you for everything. They don't do that for the general pop public. Usually then, you know, it's a bit confusing, um, you know, getting to the, the ele- well, the elevator is easy. You go into the elevator. Once you get your credential, they give you the credential. It was cool. You have your whole picture on it mm-hmm. on your, uh, and you put it on your shirt. Um, and the elevator is right ahead. So that's the easy part. And then it's like, okay, where's the press box? Because there's the BBWAA writers press box, which is, you know, MLB.com, the Athletic Tribune. We don't have that yet, Um, you know, early company. Right. So it's like, no, but they they have the this press room. That's like five writers, maybe six writers. I think The Times is there. The Athletic MLB.com. I think Jeff Fletcher is there, too, usually. and so that is where the broadcast rooms are. And I originally thought it was there. And I was like, Colin Taylor. I was like, oh no, it's up one more, it's four. So you went up to four. I went up to four. I saw the whole press dining area. And you know, you get discounts. I guess like a salad's five dollars or a hot plate is like seven dollars. It's virtually if you're the general pop, you know, public, it's you know, twelve, thirteen dollars, <laughs> something like that. You know, I wish it was all free, but what can you do? You know, it's the, you got you got to got to pay pay your dues a little bit. They give you a free drink every once in a while, too. That's cool. You could chill there before the game. Um, and then immediately once I found the press box, which is I went back on the concourse. It's confusing. Down all the way, um, you know, toward the end, which is the press box suite. You know, Sporting Tribune has a great seat there at the bottom, right? So you can view right. the whole game. Uh, you know, set up there, plug everything in, get your spot, um, you know, got my spot, then went down to the clubhouse, saw Rhett, uh, so you go back in the elevator, you go to S, right, which is uh, where the where the Angels clubhouse is, and we're near the dugout, uh, went down there, met Rhett, uh, you know, he was great, I obviously I didn't ask any questions my first day, uh, mm-hmm. Angel, Angels PR and Taylor talked about that, like, I wasn't going to... You know, obviously very professional, not going to just say, hey, you know, Luis Rangifo, how was your game winning hit? Like, they're like, he's like, who the heck are you? You know, like, (laughs) you need to go there a couple, a couple times before you do that. I saw Sam Blum from The Athletic too, a few other people met up with, um, we were down in the, in the clubhouse. um, And, you know, it was cool seeing, being around the players, seeing them. Obviously, you never take pictures of the clubhouse, it's a private space. But, uh, you know, for interviews, pregame, they open it from 2 to 3, which is cool. Very early. Uh, one of the earliest in the MLB, which is really cool. But you see all Otani getting ready, Trout, you know, all these all these players. You know, you can ask questions. A lot of them don't want to talk to the media at the 2 to 3 um, stage. A lot of it's postgame. Yeah. Um, but you're there. You see what's happening. You see what's going on. Nevin will usually bring out the lineup card. But, you know, Joe Adele was having trouble getting to – Angel Stadium. So the lineup card was not out. He didn't know if he was going to be in the lineup. Ended up, he's going to start today, uh, not yesterday, against left-handed pitcher Ricky Moniak's probably going to sit. Um, You know, that was cool. You're there for an hour and you go back up and you do, you you go, I mean, you go from there to the dugout and you're in the dugout with all the players and on the field for BP. And, you know, you wait for Phil Nevin to come in and uh, Angel's manager to talk. And he was super cool, super cool guy. I've never met him before, but. He said he really enjoys talking to reporters and media, which I think is important, having yeah. a good relationship with the media. Um, and it just made me, you know, respect him more because we see him, this view of TV, like he's a good manager, but, you know, you don't know who he is. I've never met him and it yeah. was cool to meet him and, see, and see him answering questions. Really nice, professional guy. Uh, honest, too, about everything, um, which is cool. It's a straight shooter. Um And we talked to him, and then you just kind of chill from that area when it's like
2: 3.34 all the way until 6.38. It is the longest, by the way. In baseball, um, you know, in hockey, there's really uh, not a ton of pregame football, not a ton of pregame basketball. You talk to the coach about two hours before. um, But baseball is the one where, you know, know, the clubhouse of availability is just, as you mentioned, you know, three, four, five hours before the game. So you're there. A long day, but, uh, you know, you you did an amazing job with the takeaways. That'll uh, continue. Do you want to get into the NBA Finals, though, Brandon? Appreciate um, it, yeah. So, listen, we, we listen, fully expected Denver to make the adjustments and respond. The, the game wasn't close, though, Brandon. I mean, I'm a little concerned. I mean, if this is going to go back to the series that we we kind of thought it would, would be in terms of maybe being a five-game series, you know, Denver having a 20-plus point lead late. Here's the thing. They, I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, the Heat have to find a way to win a game four or else this thing is over in five. There's no way Denver is dropping two straight at home, certainly not with a chance to win their first-ever championship. Your thoughts on game three, and if you think effectively this series is done. No, I actually think, you know, I said
1: yesterday I thought Denver would win. They did. Um And he won last night. And I think the Heat are going to make adjustments and win game four. I always said it would be 2-2 going back to Denver. I stand by it. I really think it's going to be, you know, Jokic is unstoppable. We get that. Murray, they got to limit Murray. You saw the difference, 18 points versus 34 points or whatever he had. I mean, that's a huge difference. That was the game right there. Uh, The Heat still did an excellent job at limiting Michael Porter Jr., uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, uh, Bruce Brown only at one, three KCP zero, I think threes. I mean, they shot, they're shooting 32% of the series crazy. Cause they shot 40% from three of 15 made threes, just about against the Lakers. Everyone plays their best basketball against the Lakers. Um, but it, look, I think Miami's going to understand. They need to put more guys on Murray early on in the game. Don't let him get into a rhythm. Let Jokic score and kind of go do their same thing, getting out to shooters, seeing what's going on there. And I do think, uh, you know, Gabe Vincent, he was elite the whole series, last series, and then the first two games, and then he was one for eight or one for nine. Right. Uh, it was good to see Caleb Martin get a few buckets. Uh, they need to play Duncan Robinson more. I think he should be starting instead of Max Struce. Max Struess is, you know, he had one good game, you know, game two in the first half. Well, one good half really, and has been bad the other half. Um, but they need three-point shooting early in the heat. They can't rely. I've seen so many times when they have an early lead, just going to ISO with Butler, you know, getting to his mid-range shot or bam, shooting a jumper. And that's just not good basketball, especially when you have a lead against Denver, which they did early. And they just blew it because Denver's going to come back. Murray's just going to get to the rim. Jokic's going to get to the rim. Murray's going to create his own shot. Jokic will create his own shot and create other shots. You know, it's like you got to knock them in the throat when you're up. Like you got to shoot threes. You got to play basketball, not these, this ISO stuff. And I'm sure Spolster will talk to his guys about it. The heat are, are excellent at bouncing back by the yeah. way. So I do, I do
2: expect this to be two, two going back to Denver. So you're still sticking with Denver and seven, I believe. Right. Or do you think six or seven? I think it's seven. I think,
1: I think Heat win uh game game four. I think Denver wins game six. Heat or sorry, uh, that Heat win game four, Denver wins game five, Heat six, Denver
2: seven, I yeah, do think. Down. All right. Uh, big, big game tonight in the Stanley Cup as well. Game three, Vegas is up 2-0 in that series. Really has not been closed. Vegas winning um, game two, seven to two, winning game one, I believe, for five to two or six to two. I mean, it has not been closed. But the momentum can really change. I mean, I've often told people this. I mean, each game in a playoff is its own thing, and so yes, there is momentum, but the way you come back from 2-0 down, 3-0 down, you just win one, and then you win one, and then you win two, because the hardest thing to do is just to win that first game, and so, I mean, listen, if you're if you're the Florida Panthers right now, you cannot go down 3-0, you certainly can't get blown out the way that they did. Brandon, have you been watching some of the hockey? I mean, I've not really seen a team this dominant in the Stanley Cup final where it's one thing if your goaltending is great and you win 2-0, 2-1. To win 7-2 in a Stanley Cup final is crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it is It is. It is pretty crazy. Um, you know, well, the gold knights are going to win the series. I think we all know that. Anybody who watches hockey kind of knew Denver is going to win the series, and the gold knights are going to win the series, you know, from the jump. Uh, however, I think both. I think obviously the NBA finals are a little more competitive. I do think Florida gets one, whether it's tonight, at least one, yeah. uh, perhaps two. They're going to make it. It's not going to be a sweep. I don't think. I mean, it very well could be a sweep, but I mean, Florida. And they've found ways to win games when they're when they're at home. They just have the whole the whole Stanley Cup playoffs, right? A rush. So yep. I mean, I just don't see. And Golden Knights, remember the Dallas series? They were up a lot, and yep. they lost a couple of games that uh, they could have closed out the series. So I do think that Florida wins at least one, perhaps two, um, but the Golden Knights are going to win this series in five or six. I, I truly believe that, and you know they're going to hoist up their first Stanley Cup title, because remember they lost the last time they were in the Stanley Cup final. Right. Um, first expansion team too, right? Like, I mean, over the past couple of years to, would, would, yeah. to win.
2: 2018, is just it's just a really remarkable historic run where they win the Pacific, they win the West, they're in the Stanley Cup final, they win game one of the Stanley Cup final, but then lose four straight. And so prior to game two, what a lot of people said is we've seen this before. They've... Um, They've won the Pacific, they've won the West, they've been in the Stanley Cup final, they've won game one. Now it's different, Brandon. They've won two. They're up 2-0. They're two wins away from their first title, and when they get that third game, they will be one win away. You mentioned it, and we'll talk about this in the next segment with Nick Hamilton. The Dodgers, Brandon, what's going on with them?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bullpen. You know, I talked to Grant about this and surprisingly, the Angels bullpen has been way better. It's, you know, Bachman and Joyce, the young rookies have been good. And of course, Estevez, Devensky, and Moore, three of the best relievers in the AL. Something unprecedented. The Angels usually have a bad bullpen. The Dodgers in previous years, like you've mentioned, with Kenley, even with, uh, you know, uh, Pedro Baez, who had a couple good years, even though he ended up, you know, flaming out of the league. Um yeah, you know, they've usually had a good pen. Now they're terrible. Phillips came in and was bad. And that's not a good sign because he's their best relief pitcher, right? Like Caleb Ferguson the night before. Terrible. And it's not to say the Reds are not a good baseball team because now with Ellie De La Cruz, they have a great lineup. They've always had a great lineup. It's been pitching for them. Um yeah, the Dodgers are going to need to get a reliever at the deadline. Otherwise, they might go spiraling down a off. Their offense is always going to get them, keep them like eight games over 500 or seven games over 500. You know, their offense and some starting pitching. I think they'll win today with Kershaw on the mound. But uh, it, it, look, it's... it's they need to add an arm. I don't care if it's a rebuilding year or whatnot, uh, add an arm. Or bring up Nick Nostrini from double A, you know, former UCLA pitcher who, you know, look at the Angels. Yeah. Two rookies are 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 the three and four guys in the bullpen right now. Yeah. Bro. Like Dodgers, you have Nick Frasso and double A, you have Nick Nostrini and double A, two very talented pitchers. And what what happens to Ross in the league? Stuff plays. Yeah. Look at Bobby Miller, ADRA R.A. in the minors this year. One E.R.A. in the big so far, right? Like, stuffed place. It, it big, doesn't matter who you're facing.
2: Big, big, big picture, though, in the Western Conference. Uh, wait, sorry, in the National League West. And again, sorry, they're doing construction here in the studio. Uh, it's wide open. You know, we began the season talking about the Padres. You know, can the Dodgers, despite their struggles, despite the problems in the bullpen, and again, I like the fact that this team will always make the move if they have to. Can they still win the West? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, I think they got. To, they have to be the favorite right now. I mean, Arizona's young. I know Corbin Carroll's a rookie. He's going to win Rookie of the Year in the National League. Deservedly so. He's an MVP candidate uh, in year one. By the way, UCLA commit, uh, which was crazy. Didn't go, obviously. First rounder from Seattle, Washington. Um, you know, the, Arizona's really good, but I think that they'll be you know they'll win 85, 86, maybe 87 games at most. I you know perhaps it's a wild card for them. Dodgers and Padres, I know the Padres have been playing bad. Dodgers and Padres are going to start winning games. It's going to be one of those teams I think that wins the division as bad as they've both played recently. I think the Dodgers are at least a wild card team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I wouldn't say 100%, but, but I, yeah. it's definitely 80 over 80% they make the playoffs cuz they're not in the AL. If they were in the AL it'd be a different story, but they're in the NL.
2: We're going to talk to Nick Hamilton in the second segment, as I mentioned. I do do want to get into one more thing, the recruiting with USC, and really across the board. I mean, right now, I'm I'm talking about football recruiting in terms of the great players that they're getting, Transfer Portal. um, This team, and again, if they're last year in the Pac-12, and again, don't want to knock the Pac-12, but it's the Pac-12. It's not the Big Ten. they got a real shot here, Brandon, with the, with with the team that they put together, with the coaching staff that they have. Yes, the defense is not uh, what it should be, but I keep saying it, and you've said it before. They don't need to be great. They they on most days they don't even have to be good. They they just can't give up over five hundred yards and fifty points. Um, this team. Could on the table, Brandon. When, when you look at the, the the holes that they filled, when you look at the transfer portal, when you look at the recruits, when you look at the team that they have coming back, man, I mean, I'm, I'm and I'm looking at that schedule. They have a real chance here.
1: Yeah, I've said it. What did I say last year, Ross? what I say? I said during the season, next year, they're going to win the college football national championship. I do think so. I know that might be... Unrealistic considering their abysmal defense, which I, by the way, I think will get better. It's not going to get like astronomically better, but it'll it get significantly better. Yeah, it can't, it can't get, get worse. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, they just have, you can't stop that offense, Rosh. Literally, it was about game management. Uh, Lincoln Riley's a great coach, but there were some games last year where he didn't manage the clock and that's why they lost two of those three games. They lost, right? I mean, they could have very well been playing Georgia in the CFP. If he, if Caleb doesn't get hurt, of course, and you know, he makes the right adjustments in a few games. So I think this is the year they're for sure in the CFP. They're going to win the pack. 12 I, I think that's a hundred percent almost. Yeah. Uh, and as good as Utah is, I know they're bringing back, but come on, you got to have some moxie. You got to have some determination. I mean, the Utah beat their, beat their nails like twice, right? Like, yeah. Come on, you gotta beat them. You gotta beat Utah, both, you know, both times, especially in the Pac-12 title game, which I'm assuming that'll be the matchup them against Oregon or Utah. Obviously, far ahead. I do expect them to win it all. Georgia's gonna have a down year. Alabama, no quarterback yet. We don't know. This is the year to do it for USC football.
2: And we're going to find out the schedule, actually, you know, because they want to get ahead of this for the 2024 season. Again, it'll it'll be the first year USC, UCLA in the Big Ten. Before we go to break, how will things change? Because, again, I, I think they've begun this process already. But. You're now recruiting for the Big Ten. You're not just when you when you recruit players. It's not just for the Pac-12. Again, I really think that they have a chance to win the whole thing just schedule wise in the last year in the Pac-12. How will things before we go to break change for them when they go to the Big Ten?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I uh, what I think is they're going to have to recruit defense defensive yeah. players, right? Like Big Big Ten is all defense, right? You look at Iowa. Built on defense, Michigan built on defense. Like Ohio State's the only team built on offense right there. Like, so you're going to have to recruit defensive players to contend in that in the Big Ten.
2: Yeah. And by the way, if this is something that they've had to do for a while. And I respect Cliff Kingsbury. And uh, by the way, so he's going to be the offensive assistant, quarterback coach, things like that. Lincoln Riley needs to focus a little bit more on defense. And he keeps saying, listen, it's not that I, I don't care. At the end of the day, it was historically bad. It wasn't just bad. It was historically bad. Over 500 yards, over 40-some-odd points, sometimes 50 points. It, as, good as, a, as good as your team is, it is hard to get past giving up over 500 yards. So we'll talk about that some more uh, when we come back with a friend Nick Hamilton. Let's leave it there for now. We'll talk some more about the NBA, USC, and the Daily Cup Final. With Nick Hamilton, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network.
0: We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN
1: Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribunal on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM seven hundred and sixty in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. Call our hotline 310-400-0340. Alright, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join our good friend Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? Feeling good.
0: Feeling great. How are
2: you? We're doing great. Uh, wanted to start off here because we talked about in the first segment. Dodgers bullpen uh, you know, listen, this wasn't a year where we expected the Dodgers to win 100-plus games. That being said, they had been playing well. They've lost four straight. The bullpen has been a problem. Nick, are you concerned about them right now?
0: Yeah, I think the concern has risen. I don't know if I'd be concerned right now. I think, we, like you said, we've always been concerned about that Dodgers bullpen, especially um, in relief. Um, but... Uh, you know, they've obviously been decimated with some injuries. Um, I know Dave Roberts said earlier he, he could expect Julio Urias to come back on Sunday uh, to start. But until then, I mean, they've, they've been blowing leads, uh, you know, like Joe Biden in the presidential race. I mean, it's just it's just been absolutely astonishing to see how much the Dodgers have done offensively. But can't maintain the lead. I mean, all the work that Mookie Betts has done, especially in the series against the Reds, um, it's just really gone for nothing. Um, and it's really sad to, to see it like that. But they're going to have to figure it out. Um, this is a Dodger team that we didn't expect a lot from. So they kind of had a boost early in the season. Uh, but I think they're now starting to come back to
1: earth. And uh, Nick, let me ask you about the angels. You know, they've won two straight games against the Cubs. Again, the Cubs aren't, aren't a great baseball team. Yeah. I you know it deserves a clap. Uh, they're three games over three or four games back from Houston for second place. Obviously, Texas is 20 games over. going to be tough to 19 games over. going to be tough to catch them. The AL is just so competitive. What do you think the angels need to do at the deadline, you know, for their future?
0: Get rid of the owner. No, um, <laughs> I think what they need to do uh, listen it's so much they have to do I think one they're not going to resign Shohei Ohtani I think if you're trying to rebuild this team because this team is going to have to go through a rebuild and um, you got going to have to try to see if you can get something for Shohei Ohtani because you know you're not going to be able to resign him um, and then after that I think you have to ask Mike trout where does he want to go I think this team needs an overhaul this team is not going anywhere they're not winning a world a World Series they won't even sniff the draws of the of the ALCs anytime soon um so I don't I don't think there's there's nothing to do but to just basically start over um, you have a general manager look like he just lost his job at foot locker he looks like a deer in headlights most times um so it's just a matter of what the hell do we do? What do we do? Do we we we, we just, you know, rebuild uh, get something back for the superstars that we have and just build a team up from there. That's just seems to me that's their only option.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for that that's certainly a possibility. I don't think they're going to do that just because I know Artie wants to win. And, you know, whether or not it's possible, he thinks he can win a World Series with this team. I guess that's what matters to him because he's the owner. I know we were, we're thinking like, oh, this team is going to struggle to even make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. But he thinks that he's not going to trade Otani. with yeah. a few prospects uh, at the deadline. Some people think they're down in their own mind. <laughs> but uh, it'd be interesting to see if Otani leaves if uh, this offseason, which is really oh, likely. Goes. Okay, so, uh, okay. Cool. Okay. We don't, that remains to be seen, of course, but yes, 99% he's sure he's probably gone. It's going to be interesting Zion to see on. if, if Artie decides to go through with a sale again, because you know, he tried, last season, he went, you know, we tried and then he was like, you know what? I like owning this team. And a lot of the fans, fans, I'm not saying personally, fans were unhappy that he decided to keep the team
0: a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of us in the media were uh, were, uh, were not happy about him keeping the team. He's one of the worst owners in sports. He has to have his have his hand in the cookie jar, in uh, each and every turn. I mean, this guy's gone through what five general managers since his tenure as owner. I mean, that's not a good look. And the thing about it is, yes, you're going to go through some, you know, general managers come come and go from time to time, but not at that alarming rate. And that's been the most frustrating thing that he won't let guys do their jobs that he's hired them to do. And this is why I'm saying you always have to take a Dr. bus philosophy. If they hired you for a position, then you have to fall back and allow them to do their job effectively. if they're not reaching the goals that you all agreed upon in the beginning, then yes, some changes need to be made, but you have to give them ample opportunity to be able to, to achieve those goals that you all set and agreed upon. And Artie doesn't do that already wants to control everybody it's almost like a dictatorship and that's what's ruining the team it's ruined the franchise and i really feel bad for angel fans because they don't deserve this type of treatment when it comes to having one of the most illustrious superstars in the game in shohei otani as well as mike Travel.
1: yeah no those those are certainly good points um you know, Nick, I wanted to ask you about the NBA finals, right? Because Jokic, first player ever to have 30, 20, 10, and, you know, as, as a center in the finals, efficient, dominated the game. Jamal Murray was dominant too. Okay, so I, I forgot what your series prediction was, but where do you see the series going from here? Is it Denver in five, Denver in six? What are your thoughts here?
0: It's funny you say that because originally I did say Denver in five, but I'm, I may, I was leaning more towards Denver in six only because how game two was being called and being reffed because it was so atrocious the way that Denver wasn't getting calls. And it was so almost blatant to see, okay, is the NBA trying to milk this because they know these two teams, these two markets are not the biggest, you know, uh, glaring, you know, uh, top seed markets uh, that people will watch the NBA finals. Um, But then you look at game three on Wednesday night, and it was like, okay, these are the Denver Nuggets we've been accustomed to. I'm interested to see how game four is going to be called. Um, And that will tell me exactly how the rest of this series is going to go. Um, I think if you just called it straight down the middle, I think Denver could sweep them. That's how good this Denver team is. Like I said, this Denver team is special. It really is something different about this collective group of guys that were some, you know, a lot of them were castoffs. A lot of these guys really rallied around and really believe in Mike Malone's system. Um, and they were, you know, there's just something special about this year. It kind of reminds me of the Las Vegas Aces of 2022. Um, it's just something magical about this team that really, uh, you know, even if you don't know them, you you will now know them.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I have the Heat making enough adjustments and the, you know, the officiating going their way in game four. I'm going to say the Heat win game four, Denver five. I think this is a six, seven game series. I think Denver wins, but I think it's a six, seven game series. Talent wise, you're absolutely right though, Nick. It's just watching two different teams, two different tiers of talent. Um, You know, the Heat, great job. They were an eight seed for a reason. You know, I know they dominated, uh, Part of the way Jimmy Butler stepped up. He hasn't looked like the same player in, that he did in the first couple of rounds. Maybe it's fatigue, exhaustion, whatever. But they have enough depth, enough shooting, if they can force Jokic to be the primary scorer, that they can, if they get officiating on their side, which we saw in game two. They could definitely take this uh, six or seven game. So I'm I'm looking. I want a competitive final. I know Denver's going to win. I want a competitive final. So we'll see what happens there. Want to ask you about the Vegas Golden Knights? We talked about it in the first segment. You know, dominant win. <laughs> Is this a sweep or Florida's <laughs> going to get a couple or one? What do you think? It could. I, I think it could be a possible gentleman sweep.
0: I think sometimes going home could could change your perspective. But the way that the Golden Knights have dominated from. The open, you know, the, the dropping of the opening puck to, you know, the last, the, the final second uh, of the third period. I mean, they have completely dominated this team. I mean, first line, second line, third line. Um, I don't know if the Florida Panthers really have a strong answer. I mean, you get dumb It was, I think they got outscored what 12 to four, I believe it was, or something to that degree in the first two games. I mean, it was absolutely remarkable. Yeah. I mean, they just they just, I mean, they beat them down like you see Debo beat somebody down for for a bite. I mean, it was just ridiculous how how such they were so focused. And this is a completely different Vegas Golden Knights team in this Stanley Cup final versus the first time they they reached the Stanley Cup final. You can see what the front office has done to improve that team and to make sure that team
1: um, performs at a high level. Yeah, I, I do think it goes five games. I think. Florida's bound to get one. They've played excellent at home all postseason. I know they look like a tier below, similar to the Heat and Nuggets. Likely going to happen is a gentleman sweep. I absolutely agree with you, Nick. I want to discuss the Chris Paul news. Right? I mean, first, let me explain the reason why they have to waive him or trade him before mm-hmm. June 28th is they would have to guarantee 30 million past that point. They only have to pay him 15. They say 15. Well, it's still a lot of money for him not to play on your team next year, but. They save fifteen million dollars if they do this, which is why they're going to look for this avenue. Where do you see Chris Paul playing next year, and do you think he can still contribute to winning at, at a decent rate? Because last year, what I noticed is mid range jumper wasn't as elite as it used to be. He couldn't get to his spots as much. Passing was still great, but he was a step slower defensively, and you know I just don't think he's the same offensive player either.
0: Well, here's the thing. First of all, to all the Laker myopics out there, he's not coming to the Lakers. That makes absolutely no sense. Nor is he coming to the Clippers. That makes no sense either. So let's get that out the way because all the thirsty Laker myopics have have him photoshopped in a Laker uniform. This is why I don't like Laker fans to this day. Um, I would say if I listen, Chris Paul is still um, a good facilitator, right? And if you, I I would say, I mean, a lot of people have have destinations. I said Milwaukee could possibly be a destination for him. I've also said to me the better choice would be the Boston Celtics because when you're the Boston Celtics, if you're going to stick, you're going to keep Jalen Brown, you're going to keep Jason Tatum, you're going to need a facilitator. You're going to need a guy that's going to be able to get your two guys the ball, you know, effectively. And you're going to need a guy that's going to be there in game six and game seven Uh, When it counts the most you don't necessarily need him for the entire regular season to stay healthy You just need him healthy for the playoffs You need him healthy for the postseason and in those moments where the postseason games count and if you can do that It either waive him or either trade him. I would look at the Boston Celtics. I think it's a win-win I think if you do trade Chris Paul, I think you could trade him for Marcus Smart If you're the Phoenix Suns, you can use Marcus Smart. Especially, I think they got a gem in Frank Vogel because I think defensively this Phoenix Suns team is going to be better. I think the Phoenix Suns made a a brilliant move by moving on off of Chris Paul because you have two aging players in Chris Paul and Kevin Durant. So you got to make sure you have some youth. You got to make sure you have a bench that you can round out. And I think DeAndre Ayton may be more inclined to stay because Frank Vogel does like working with bigs. So I think he may be more inclined to stay this time around, because of Frank Vogel giving him that attention and that those at least 20 touches a game that he's going to command for him to be around and be happy. So I think it's it could be a win-win for all parties involved. I think you may take a Marcus Smart. You may take, you know, another maybe a bench player off the Celtics and make that deal uh, for Chris Paul.
1: Also, Nick, you bring up a great point about Aiton because his second year in the league, he was eighteen and eleven and one point seven blocks per game. He was elite on both ends of the floor at twenty years old in the NBA. Obviously, he had a didn't have a great relationship with Monty Williams. I guess that was part of the firing of him. He didn't play well as of late. Thirty-two million next year. Obviously, signed that max extension. They pried him away from the Pacers. They matched that offer one thing to note nick drop coverage aiden plays a lot of it and who's one of the best coaches at, at coaching bigs and drop coverage in the nba frank vogel so a lot, uh, part of this hire was to get deandre Aiden back on track a lot of people saying they're going to trade him i don't think so I don't think there's a market you don't want to trade a guy at his all-time low value right that doesn't that's just bad that's just bad general managing that's not what you do um. So I do think he's going to step up next year. Let me ask you this: Out of all the coaching coaches still left, there's one spot open, right? It's the Raptors. Uh, the Raptors still have the spot, right? Am I am I wrong? That's the only team that needs yeah, that needs a coach. I believe so. Who do you think is in line for that? Do they take a more developmental route, if they, especially if they trade Siakam for a top pick? You know, maybe to the Blazers for third, or do they go uh, after I, a my a button a or a Doc Rivers and try? I mean, Kentucky? I think.
0: Uh, that's a good question, man, because I mean the Clippers job could still be open too. like there's been no, there's been no, you know, solid uh solidified uh, news coming out that hey, Ty Lue is going to remain the head coach. Um, so I think, you know, speaking about the Raptors, I mean, that's a good question. I think do you if you trade Siakam and get that pick? Do you go for a developmental coach that can that can kind of build a culture without any pressure? Um, and then, you know, you just kind of organically grow that team like you did originally, or do you go with a proven, you know, veteran that can at least get your team, you know, into a deep playoff run if you make some adjustments in the off season? That's a good question, man. Honestly, I don't know. Um, it will be interesting to see what Toronto does do, uh, moving forward, because I think it's going to be in the next two to three years is going to be very, very impactful what they do right now. Um, and how people view that franchise overall. Um, If they're unable to get to the playoff run or the playoff picture, you know, deep enough, like we've seen them accustomed to being.
1: And another thing, speaking of that third overall pick, Nick, a lot of people, not the Clippers, because I know they're really hell bent on keeping George and Kawhi for the new stadium. But the Blazers have expressed interest in trading the third pick for Paul George. Now, if I'm the Clippers, call me crazy, Nick, this team has not stayed healthy. I would in a heartbeat trade Paul George for the third overall pick? Because I think Scoot Henderson could be available. Hornets, we know they haven't made great selections in the past. They might take Brandon Miller second overall. If you compare Scoot with Kawhi and that team they have, not only do you compete now, maybe not win a championship, but you compete in the future, you bridge that gap. A lot of Clippers fans want it. Not going to happen, but what would you do if you were the Clippers right now and the Blazers reached out to you with that third pick for George?
0: I don't know if you trade. I don't know if you trade Paul George, and the reason why I say that is because this is L.A. You're gonna have to win, and and this is why the Clippers have got such an such a bad rap because they haven't won. Uh, they haven't gotten to the promised land, as we like to call the NBA Finals. And I think I don't, I'm not I'm not high on Kawhi as I used to be because I look at Kawhi not only his physicality but his mental. Because I don't think Kawhi is fully committed. To playing basketball the way it needs to be played as far as on a championship level I have not seen that since the days of the Toronto Raptors Um, it was talk about him being that way at one point I bet I said he was one of the best two-way players in the game And I think his even this year in the last I would say four to five weeks of the regular season His offense was much better than his defense But then as somehow some way he just lost his way and lost his step I don't know if he mentally checked out or what have you paul george. Unfortunately, didn't he just got injured at the wrong time? But Paul George is the guy that brought this team and this franchise to his very first Western Conference Final when he put the team on his shoulders, uh, without Kawhi Leonard, who was sitting around nursing his knee. So if I'm going to trade anybody, it would more likely be Kawhi Leonard before versus Paul George. Um I think you can build around Paul George, but you have to add another superstar. But you be uh, who would mo- who would another superstar be more willing to play with? Kawhi Leonard in his current state or Paul George if he stays healthy and what he's been able to accomplish when he's healthy?
1: Probably Paul George. Uh, You're right, because he has the accolades. Kawhi's been hurt every year. Paul George did lead him to their West Finals, their only lone appearance. That is a good point, Nick. Last question here. I know Ross brought up the Dodgers early on. But do you expect them to win the division? Who do you think they'll be competing against? Because Arizona hot start, Padres starting maybe to piece together some win. There's still four games under. But last question here. We have two minutes.
0: That's tough, man. You know, I never picked them to win the division to begin with, only because I know they had roster issues on the mound. Um, And I really didn't want them to win the division because we saw what they did last year when they won the division and had those days off that really just took its toll on them. So I would rather them win enough games to, to host a wild-card series at Dodger Stadium and then take a couple of days off and then get right back in the groove for the NLDS. I think that would service the Dodgers much better than Jim, them winning, you know, 88, I mean, excuse me, 90-plus games and winning the division and sitting on their keisters for the next five days, waiting on their next opponent.
2: Yeah, I mean... Last thing. Yeah, really oh yeah quick. Go, go you know, ahead, with, Russ. The Dodgers, it's, it's... The thing that I like about them... Is that if they're in if they're in striking range, you know this front office, you know the ownership group is going to make the trades that they have to make. And so, listen, I think a lot of Dodger fans uh, came into the season with no high, um, you know, high hopes, or at least this was not a hundred plus win team. Again, you lose Justin Turner, Trey Turner. Cody Bellinger, you kind of go down the list. They didn't make any big moves, and they did that. Again, the thought process is they will be one of the teams, if not first in line, when Shohei Otani is available, they're putting themselves in position to go for him. I don't know if that'll happen, but this was not a a summer or this was not the offseason where they went for the big signing. That being said, however... If they're within a game of winning the division, if they have a lead within the division, if they need to make a big move, this team will make that big move. But I'm with you guys here. You know, they have to address their concerns with the bullpen. Um, Nick, we're going to have you back on next week, my friend. So much happening, especially with Las Vegas. And we didn't even get to the Las Vegas Aces being unbeaten still. All right, my my friend, you're the best. We'll have you back on next week. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again next week. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.